The FBI has just sent a letter to Congress informing them that they have discovered new emails pertaining to the former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's investigation. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Politix. Coming to you live, and by live I mean recorded live. I was alive when it was recorded. Um, this is pre-recorded. It's a podcast. That's how they work. I'm at the Hotel Marriott in beautiful Anaheim. Just one crazy Kiwi named Tim Bat bird-dogging his way around the United States, specifically the West Coast. And joining me, as always, my faithful companion from Florida, Jeb. Kindly introduce yourself. You know, it, it has been my privilege to be your Sherpa on this journey. And, uh, you know, I can only hope that in the future we can find an, another another quest for the both of us. One that is not as thoroughly beshitted and immiserating and, uh, you know, enervating uh, as this one. Hey, here's hoping. Dreams are free, <laughs> aren't they? Um, I'm going to immediately mitigate your foul mood, Jeb. Um, I want to do like a good news report to really kick this thing off. And I'd also like to apologize for the uh, length of time between drinks, metaphorically speaking. Uh, turns out it's quite hard to keep um, your projects going when you are dotting yourself around the United States, doing a lot of travel. It ain't easy, especially but, if you're not um, from thank here. Thank you for your understanding. Especially if you're not from here, because you know we are. I, I think we are uniquely violent people, and I, I feel like. We might have incidentally threatened you or made you feel like you need to exit the roadway. And, uh, Do you know I'll, where I've felt the least? Do you know where I've felt the least safe so far, considering I've spent most of my time in LA? Was Portland, Oregon? No kidding. Just because, like, I was at, I was, I was downtown, and I was, to be honest, I was pretty high because it, it was Oregon. So yeah, you know, yeah. when in Rome, smoke the legal weed. But um, I'm not sure if I was uh, just getting a little bit sketchy and paranoid because of that. But it just, it, they really live by that credo of make Portland, keep Portland weird. Because there are a lot of people doing a lot of crazy shit and arguing with each other and a lot of police around. Things are really kicking off. Well, you, you, you like to think that that's the effect of having so much good local IPA. You know, they, they've just, you yeah. know, they, they had a nice afternoon and they've just sort of, uh, you know, migrated slowly into maybe an unpleasant evening and you got caught up in it they've really gone to town on it yeah. um jeb two little rays of sunshine to permeate which i'm sure is going to turn into a very sour and dark episode before <laughs> too long um i wanted to kick off by uh congratulating donald trump jr for being a real human being a real human being what a kind compliment for donald trump jr and uh, a real for helping hero. a woman it, was he? Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. Okay, I'll build on that. I was expecting you to undercut me with cynicism, but yes, yes and. In Mesa, Arizona, helping a woman in 100 degree heat push her car when it stalled and uh, managed to get some bottles of water to make sure she'd be okay while the repair guy came. That's a cool thing to do. No, God bless him. I mean, like, it doesn't matter who you are. It is scary to drive in the desert. I, I, I had a... Yeah. The first time I ever drove cross country, I was driving through Arizona... And, you know, it was a relatively new car. Nothing was amiss with it. And then I just watched the temperature gauge go from, you know, that, that comfortable right in the middle that it always has. And then it just yeah. slammed to the right. And suddenly I, I turned the heater on and I opened all the windows and I was trying to blow air off the engine. And, you know, I was going oh, slower. Shit. And I just kept thinking, like, please not here. <laughs> because it is terrifying to be in the middle. Like, in, in this case, it was Death Valley. And, you know, which has a has the name that sort of suggests... 
a certain ominousness. It's and, right there on the tin. Yeah. All the clothes for your impending death are right there on the street sign. Yeah, they really, I mean, they, they, you know, the whole third act twist of the valley you're in is really just sort of given away, uh, you know, at the yeah. start. And I, I like, listen, I, you know, far be it for me to complain about the, uh, the dramaturgy of the place, but like I was scared shitless. <laughs> so, you know, you know, God bless him. Do I mean, you think that Donald Trump, sen- wait, is Donald Trump senior Donald Trump senior? He's never referred to it. Donald J. Trump. Do you think he would he would uh, get out and help someone push their car? Absolutely not. He would have. I think he would have a very hefty man. I think he would have a very hefty uh, Jerseyan man with a you know probably a history of being having a nose broken. Just get out and do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think he would stop though. That's the thing. Like this is this um, interesting separation between. Uh, Donald J. Trump and his kids that's become apparent as they've been more and more in the media. I had no sense of who his kids were previously at all. But Ivanka has kind of come out as this really cool, um, self-made uh, businesswoman who has contributed kind of the <laughs> the only thing that liberals could gravitate towards whatsoever in the policy realm that Trump's put out. Um with the uh, what is it, family the, leave, ma- the family le- yeah, I was going to say maternal leave because it, it only extends to the mother of the child, if I remember correctly, which got a bit of stick. But hey, considering it's a Trump policy, off to the off to a, on a good start, you know, all things considered. No, and it, credit it, where it's due. Yeah, and of course, I mean, just welcome a, a bipartisan consensus consensus on this. I mean, obviously, like the Trump the Trump juggernaut is going to spin out at some point, and it's not going to have a, a staying power as a policy-making engine, but the fact that there has been this sort of interregnum in the madness with, you know, an in, in, in interregnum of its own madness where we have a, a bipartisan consensus on, you know, paid maternity leave, I, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And it, it, we are so far behind everyone. <laughs> like, you, you always watch true, it, man. You, you look at those charts and it's like, well, you know, America, you get nothing. And then it's like Romania, you, you know, Romania, where where they have in just a, a disturbing. Actually, I think I think America and, and Romania have the same um, child mort, infant mortality, which is oh my also God. like just galling. But you know, Romania is ahead of us in in you know sending moms home. Jesus, that's depressing. Is it something to do with the fact? Because I always when these statistics come out and these little tidbits about. Um, uh, you know, pay parental leave or holiday pay, that kind of thing for Americans. Is it the fact that North America is really like a continent because each state is like a little country unto itself and that they're supposed to be regulating workers' rights and just that no one passed it on to the state legislature, that that was their duty and, and they should have got onto that a long time ago? Or what? Like, is, is, it, is it one of those things that kind of fell between the cracks because of the way that the United States works as a country, do you think? Absolutely, and and you're you're on the right track because uh, it, it, you know the, the the old founders, you know the founding fathers' line was that the the states will be the laboratory of democracy. So, what you can do is when you have an initiative you you want to push or an idea that you might want to push, you let a state try it out and see if they fail. Uh, and, right. And so that's why you have you know you, you've had skewed uh, healthcare regulations, you've had skewed you know and and, and discontinuous uh, marriage regulations. Um, so you have that as a factor, and then there's just the general uh, attitude of, like, if we pay for people to have kids, then, well, black people will just have kids and not do anything. You know, you, you can always, like, it, yeah, you yeah. can invariably look at a social program and ask, why does America not have it? And the answer is always, black people. <laughs> you 
it's it's a bunch of people who you know reliable uh, white working and middle class voters who went no you know in, in spite of the yeah. fact that like you know the plurality of people on welfare for the duration of the existence of welfare has been white people you can still demonize welfare as going like well black people are using it so that's a that's a huge factor and then um, oh shit what was the other one I was going to go for um, I don't know. I'm just this is probably blanks. a good time to fill in the blanks with Jeb's current mental condition as well. Uh, the man, the man has not been sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I've been up for like uh, what, shit. What is it? I've been up for twenty two hours. Oh, okay, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And the I, other good piece of news as well, Jeb. Sorry to cut you off. Sure, what, was yeah, it please. important? No, no, no. Please, please. The Mike Pence plane crash, uh, where apparently the uh, vice presidential nominee. First thing he did, went back, checked everyone was okay, and luckily they were. But I tell you what, that Pence plane is having a little bit of an interesting time with its pilots, because I think that the guy who crashed in what seems to be pretty fine conditions um, when he was landing, like a really rough landing, uh, is the guy who replaced another dude who was like had an arrest warrant, but they couldn't find him for ages. It's no shit, I missed strange. this. Go on, yeah. Oh, dude, this is... So, um, Rachel Maddow's been covering this. By covering, it's actually only been, I think, on two shows. And I'm massively behind because I I usually keep uh, somewhat on top of the cycle with all my my podcasts and my readings and whatnot. But I've... But you're um, you're, you're on a global tour. You have have an an eminently reasonable excuse. Thank you. you. You've left your homeland. You've crossed the Pacific. You've come to California and Oregon. You've gone from Portland to, to San Francisco to L.A., and then I think you've gone back to L.A. And, yeah, you know, that's and, right. And it's a work trip, too. You know, you're not just, like, fucking around. You're not going, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Portland and, and see uh, – I'm, I'm going to see if they can put, you know, 160 pounds of hops into one bottle of, of IPA and then drink it and, and have a thoroughly unpleasant time. You've actually gone and done shows. So, you know – I'm going to take your excuse and run as far as I can with it. So thank you for that extension cord, Jeb. Um yeah, but Mike Pence, another a human being, you know, a real life human being. Well, you know, it's funny. Like I, I, I spoke to a couple of people who have been on the Pence plane, who've actually been been covering him as part of, uh, you know, their their campaign coverage for oh, their yeah. outlets. And it, apparently, like with both the the pilots, they just have had this notorious habit of coming in hard. So they've yeah, had these yeah. really really rough landings, and then. Uh, it wasn't an aberrant thing. Like LaGuardia has really, really short uh, runways, and it's just, you know, it's a relic of being constructed at a different time and having uh, different, uh, you know, jet demands. So it's sure. this, this confluence of like these guys come in hard, and then they came in hard on a really short runway, and then right. you know they, they they hit the 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 mud that that impedes the skidding, and then of course you you, you watch the uh, the right wing memes that are like, well, you know, Democrat built runway, it's not good at doing this. Like, no, no, it, <laughs> it actually saved you. Like the, the the thing that you you're complaining about, like that looks like dirty. That is literally why Mike Pence is still alive, and so is everyone on the plane. So just jump. don't don't. Don't play into that false narrative, Jeb. Let's not politicize the goddamn runway that people are using. Like, can't can't we have some base level of infrastructure that we can all agree is you know functional and necessary and doesn't have to be coloured either blue or red? You know, it used to be in this country that politics stopped at the runway. You know, that's that's what we said. <laughs> and uh, I mean, really, the Bush nice. administration they, they they turned that corner and you know, or they opened that door and and 
who are we to forbid everyone else to uh, uh, to walk through it? <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, I think. Let's take a really brief break here, and this can be like the nice third of the podcast. And uh, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to start slugging some of that famous short uh, runway LaGuardia mud at each other. You keen? Right on. Let's do it. Everybody you got the WikiLeaks released a March 12th Podesta email showing you messaging the Clinton campaign with the exact wording of a question asked at the March 13th Kelly, CNN TV Kelly, One town hall debate. Kelly, Where did I, you get I, it? I, 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 you know, as a Christian woman, I understand persecution, but I will not sit here and be persecuted because your information is totally false. Welcome back to Politics, the podcast that pits a witless, flightless Kiwi against a bald eagle of a man. Uh, Jeb, you are the bald eagle in this metaphor, and I am the hapless Kiwi Timbat, coming to you from Anaheim in this episode. Um, We've done the nice bit, uh, and I know that this happened a long time ago in the general scheme of of the campaign. I just wanted to mention the Donna Brazil thing, uh, and don't worry, we will be talking about the FBI stuff real soon, real soon. Be sure about God. Hey? Uh, no, I just said, be sure about God. Is that, what is that? Is that Yiddish or is that Arabic or? Uh, 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 sorry, this is completely pointless. Uh, my, my father and my aunt and uncle uh, grew up in Dahran, Saudi Arabia. And uh, so uh, they, they were part of uh, uh, Aramco, the, uh, the Ara- uh, Arabian American oil company. So uh, my, my grandfather was a pilot and he flew all the sheikhs and, and the, the members of the House of Saud around to like, they would want to go play golf, so he'd fly them to Turnberry, Scotland, or they would want to shop, so he'd fly them to Paris, so they could go to the, the Rue de Rivoli. So my, my dad grew up with uh, uh, like this sort of pidgin English uh, between Arabic and, and English, and so like uh, you know, sort of like this this long uh, phrase that would end in inshallah would became bishur bagat. Wow, bishur what a fascinating bagat. life he must have led. Yeah, no, like he used to, he used to, he built a dune buggy by hand and then he would drive his dune buggy through the Rubakali, which is just sand. It's just nothing. And Man, uh, that is so cool. Which is like just the ballsiest thing I, I can imagine because, you know, if something goes wrong with that thing, you're yeah. going to die out there. <laughs> oh, we were, we were talking about the Death Valley. It's like that times a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that was his fun. Like, he, that's what he and his buddies did in, in between playing baseball. So, right. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Um, the Donna Brazil thing is Donna Brazil uh, is the inter- she still is, I think the interim DNC chair after Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, left, and she's a former CN- uh, CNN employee. Is that right? Was she an anchor on there or something? Well, she was she was the uh, uh, campaign manager for uh, for Gore in two thousand. Ah, right. And then she did CNN after that. I take it, and then. Anyway, there was a town hall debate um, with Bernie and Hillary in March, and it's come out through the Podesta email leaks that Donna Brazil managed to have the exact wording of one of the questions uh, that was at the town hall. Um, and she said in the email, from time to time, I get questions in advance. And then, lo and behold, uh, if you look at the tape, the question that was in that leaked Podesta email uh, from her was said verbatim uh, by the guy from TV1 who was moderating on the debate stage and uh hillary clinton obviously had a had an answer um pre-rolled for that one so i it's been uh weird because it seems like that i've been a little bit out of the loop as i mentioned and as far as i can tell it hasn't quite been resolved um has there been anything juicy on this or anything that's kind of concluded it for you jeb that you've seen pop up in the last few days because i just i've seen her flounder a lot 
with people like Megan Kelly trying to explain it. Well, I mean, they, they keep trying to bring it up to give it traction, but th- this is one of those stories that just got blown out of the water by the story that Donald Trump likes to, uh, you know, finger bang women without their consent. Uh, you know, so th- this was like a first debate story. And it really, I mean, th- th- so much madness has happened in, you know, the aftermath. And I think also for a lot of pragmatic, you know, voters or news watchers, you know, they, they, they can just intuit that this happens, right? You know, yeah, right, right. You know, you, so it's, you, you, I mean, like Trump has Corey Lewandowski as a surrogate in CNN and Lewandowski is flying on his plane and still mm-hmm. has, you know, an actual position within the organization on whatever their, their filing is. I can't remember what it is, right? But he's still, you know, he's allegedly independent. So I, I have no doubt that they got some idea of some of the questions that that were going to be asked of, uh, of Donald Trump and mentioned it to him. And, you know, the advantage of not mentioning that they had some idea in advance is they can say, well, only the Democrats cheated. But, you know, everybody gets this stuff. You know, you, you bump into yeah, people. So- and, and, yeah, and, like, and more to the point, like, all of this stuff is really generic. Like, you know, if, if, if Clinton hadn't gotten the exact detail of that question, she probably already had a canned answer for it. So, she like, probably did, yeah. It was know, about um, the death penalty, which she's got kind of a, a, a pretty nuanced position on. Um, pretty and someone had obviously really. flagged that it was going to be a bit problematic. Yeah, well, you remember that she's in her late 60s every now and then, right? And the, <laughs> this is like one of those times. But so from your point of view, Jeb, um, could we kind of sum it up by saying like, even if it is the absolute worst case scenario, which it does seem to be, it's kind of like, this is this is obviously not ideal, but it's one of those things that happens um is it is it illegal i don't i don't think there's any law against it because it's a, the the debates are are managed and and uh the the questions are created by a private entity so yeah it's right, not like right. the u.s government made the debate so you're not sure. defrauding the government uh and i really don't think there's, there's a whole lot of traction to this i mean so much has happened in the interim to take it away uh take yeah. away from it where you do see it and where it is getting pushed as an issue is Really, you know, the, the, the Breitbart and dumber or the Breitbart and racister uh, 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 right wing websites where I mean, like, the, you know, the Washington, uh, not the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal is not banging this drum anymore, even though their editorial page is, you know, just to the left of Goebbels. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, the hyper version of it would be James O'Keefe's videos that he's been putting out um, over the last couple of weeks oh, in several parts. fuck that, dude. Sorry. Um, just, Tell you know, it comes up. So this is, pro- what are they called again? Project Veritas? Project Veritas, which means truth. And, you know, fuck you. That doesn't mean, like, <laughs> you could not find a, a more, like, significant profanation of the idea of truth than like James O'Keefe's entire career, right? So he takes down Acorn by, you know, he, he, he has these heavily edited videos and he releases in the mainstream media and he goes on CNN and Fox and everything dressed like a pimp, right? He's, you know, got the big feather in his hair and he's got like a big uh, fur coat and, you know, the, the colorful sunglasses. And at no point in the actual tapes when he was going and trying to hoodwink Acorn was he dressed like this. But he tried to give the impression that he did it like he was clearly this big white pimp going to do white slavery and Acorn helped him out. And then it turned out that like there, nothing happened. There was no there there. Like he heavily edited his tapes, heavily, heavily edited his tapes. And all that Acorn did was like a couple of you know guys who were interviewing him 
kind of played along with his scenario. He's just like, you know, well, I'm, I want to be a white slaver. And they went, oh, okay. But you know, what they, about this time, Jeb? What about well, these videos? Because but, but, Bob Kramer said to... I am not yeah, done. Okay. So the next okay. thing he did was he tried to break into Mary Landrieu's office in Louisiana. So he tries to break into the, the, the office of a senator of Louisiana, and he gets busted. He gets busted, and he, you know, he winds up uh, with a plea deal. Uh, so, you know, the, the guy is a criminal. Oh, so <laughs> when people keep saying that he's a criminal, that's the charge that they're referring to. That, that was the... He is literally a criminal. And, and, and actually, this is a completely, you know, like a side topic. But in 2012, uh, during the RNC, he was going to go to uh, come down to Tampa and get an award for, you know, fearlessness in right wing journalism and telling the truth or whatever. And my editor at the time, John Cook of Gawker, called James O'Keefe's probation officer and said, can James leave the state to go to Florida? And James O'Keefe's probation officer said, absolutely fucking not, and hung up and called James O'Keefe and said, you're not getting a fucking award. Stay in fucking New Jersey or wherever the fuck you are. Right? Like, and, and, uh, so, you know, just like, if nothing else, that dude yeah. got clowned by his own history and he deserves it. Because like, he fucking, you know, like he got busted breaking into a senator's office at the same he was doing this, you know, this was the same time period where he was accused of sexual harassment by his own fucking partner in, in making these like ginned up, you know, like heavily edited videos. So this, this woman who went down to, to Louisiana with him and, and, and was, you know, like supposed to be his partner in crime, like Robin to his Batman, went, you know, motherfucker tried to assault me. So she sued him. I have no idea what happened in that case because that just sort of vanished. And right. then, you know, like the next thing he did was he, he went to NYU and tried to ambush a bunch of, of professors like, you know, hey, liberal, moron, whatever. He got fucking blown apart in his own ambush. Like... Somebody, you know, he asked a question and, and I, I, there's a video of it. I, I, I can find like the link. But, you know, like some professor just listens to him and goes, you know, you're a fucking asshole. You're a clown. You don't know what you're talking about. And he just, just steamrolls the motherfucker in the middle of his own ambush. So was he trying to get some gotcha footage from some uh, some university professors? Yeah, you know, like pointy-headed liberals. They're part of the, the left-wing yeah. establishment. They don't know what's going on. And, like, you know, dude knew exactly what he was asking about. And then it gets worse. So this year, motherfucker sabotaged his own ambush again by, like, he called, you know, I, I can't, oh, fuck. It was in The New Yorker. It was a phenomenal article. It was really amusing. I think it was Jane Mayer, maybe, uh, wrote it, but... The, the dude, like, was, was trying to rat fuck somebody and called and left a voicemail and then didn't hang up and then set the phone down on a table and discussed oh his God. entire strategy for rat fucking this group on a voicemail. So he, like, the, the motherfucker punked himself. This is, there, there was a line, I can't remember who said it, I think it was uh, uh, John Dolan in, in uh, The Exiled, called him a way-faced little shit, like W-H-E-Y, way, <laughs> right? And, and he was, he's, the acorn thing was completely abetted by the mainstream left media and yeah. by that, that sort of like, uh, you know, sort of you know, center, uh, center left con- consensus. Like he didn't kill them. He didn't kill acorn. Lefties who panicked killed acorn. Bad journalism. The New York Times did not print a retraction for years. I don't know if they ever have. Uh, of their completely inaccurate reporting on what Acorn was doing on those videotapes. They didn't investigate it. They got it wrong. They fucked it up. They fucked Acorn. It, last I checked, they didn't apologize. Like, th- this dude, like, the only head on, on this dude's wall was hoisted up by somebody else after somebody else killed it. So, you know, now he's just this, this 
puling little, you know. How old is James O'Keefe? Because I thought he looked like he was sort of in his late 20s or something. But this seems to be quite an illustrious past of chicanery. No, I, I think he is in his late 20s. I, I know that I saw him many times in Cleveland at the, the RNC and so did my writing partner, um, uh, uh, Dana Sullivan. You know, we kept running into in him. 2012? In 2012? No, year? no in, in July of this year. We kept right. running into him and, and he was... Uh, if not explicitly running buddies, uh, frequently in the crowd with a lot of um, Gamergate Nazis. Uh, these have guys you, who are shaped like Mr. Have, Potato Head and feel like women do not deserve rights and neither do blacks or, or uh, Hispanics or Jews or really anyone except people shaped like Mr. Potato Head. Uh, who have, you, have you watched the, the latest batch of videos or did you just not want to do it to yourself? Uh, which, which videos? Oh, the, the Veritas? Uh, the, the Project Veritas ones that are coming out at the moment. I watched one and then I, I just bailed because I mean, he, he has never had a video that has stood up to any independent scrutiny. They've right. always been, uh, you know, they've always been heavily edited and presented it with the, this disingenuous context. Yeah, you know, he just does like empty character assassination stuff. He goes and he asks questions until he gets the, the responses he want, wants and edits them together to create a narrative that would never stand if you just actually pressed record and waited. Well, listen, man, I uh, hasten to qualify this by, of course, saying that you're the expert, but it seems like some shit is going down with these latest ones, and maybe he's getting better at this thing. Because Bob Kramer, who was this longtime Democratic advisor with Democracy Partners, I think he's had to resign off the back of these videos, which there's, I think the fifth one's just come out today, and it's basically a lot, they've managed to um, have incredibly off-handed chats uh, recorded with secret hidden video cameras and sound recorders uh, with Bob Kramer seems to be like the main character in these videos and uh, Scott uh, Fovel of the Fovel group which is another um, Democracy Partners is the name of that one and it's another one of these it's not a pack is it it's I think they're organizations that are uh, uh, contracted by the packs to undertake certain work to increase the vote but um there's well, been things discussed he, on camera like a, a term called bird dogging which i'd never heard before which is basically getting in the face of um in this context trump supporters and instigating uh some sort of confrontation so that they can record it and then kind of give it to the media and hold it up as a big uh example of yeah what big douchebags all the trump supporters are yeah, no, so this is this is one of those other things where, like, if you've really gotten into politics in America and how campaigns are, are uh, prosecuted or, or whatever verb you want to use, like, mm. conducted, none of this shit is a surprise at all, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, like, James O'Keefe comes out, it's like, I've got this, you know, exclusive, this Democratic operative is saying, like, I would, you know, I... I would kill a thousand people in this town and then replace them with robots or something. And like, and, and you, it does not take a lot of effort to get people on campaigns to say this kind of shit. I mean, it's, it's basically like being in grad school for history or politics or something. You know, eventually you just, you study the same things over and over. You're, you're going over the same material and you just start, uh, you know, it, the term for, for people who want to, you know, change the outcomes of, uh, 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 of like, wrestling matches, like WrestleMania, is, is fantasy booking, right? You, you pick your, right. you book your, your favorite leader and your favorite opponent, and then you, you know, you, you, you book your, your favorite 
shenanigans off screen. And so it's not hard to get these guys to go, listen, here's how I would suppress all the white voters in this county. Because it's a thought exercise because they know what the tools are. They, they, well, they've used there, these tools to a certain extent. And, and, yeah. and, you know, so it's just like, well, fuck it. I mean, this is this is fun. Like, it's a thought exercise. Let's let's screw around. They're never going to do it because that would be like. I well, mean, hold on. Let me let me let me change tack for a second. Sure. Do you think it's a big deal for um, the campaigns to coordinate with the PACs because that's illegal? Do you think it's actually a big deal? Oh no, it's it's a huge deal and it's it's disgusting and and literally everybody does it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hillary uh, Clinton's PAC. She's got uh, David Brock, who who owns Media Matters and runs Media Matters, is is handling one of her packs and and they have like uh, my friend Libby Watson uh, at the Sunshine. I think it's Sunshine Foundation. Uh, did a really really excellent article. Just Google Libby Watson and and Clinton and Brock and PAC or something like that. Uh, of how like. They have skirted up so far to uh, the letter of the law and completely devoured the intent of like, well, I'm yeah. not coordinating with you on this thing. I am having lunch with you every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. like, and we we've come up with a plan for solvency for my business, but I'm not coordinating with you. Like, the, the Clinton campaign has been really the most disgusting in this regard, especially because. Uh, of Clinton's campaigning against Citizens United and dark money. They, they profited enormously from it. Uh, you know, like, and I get it. Like, you're going to be disingenuous. You're going to say this is bad and then take it because your opponent is going to. But, but yeah. they really did this, actually push the envelope on this one. To shine up my Bernie bro badge uh, once again in this podcast series, that was like the big startling thing about Bernie, that he was going hey, super PACs are terrible, therefore I'm not going to use it. Whereas the Clinton philosophy has been more, hey, super PACs are terrible and we should ban them. They exist right now and they're legal and I want to do everything I can to change the law once I'm in power, but they're there. So they're a tool that I should use for the moment because I need to. And hey, she did become the candidate. So (laughs) maybe that's got something to do with it. Um, Let's take a quick breather while Jeb recovers. Sorry. And... uh, uh, no, I, I fucking loved getting all that context actually about who James O'Keefe is and, and his history. Fuck that dude! Um, Fuck him! I'm gonna I'm gonna look more into his background in exchange, Jeb. I want you to make me a promise to watch one more of those videos. All right, well, they're do. 15 minutes long. You can do it. Um, after the break, we're going to be talking about all this FBI stuff that's going on at the moment. Um, but I, I don't know where this email, where those emails came from. What apparently I, Anthony Weiner? Well, oh god. Oh, Anthony Weiner. Um, I should not comment on Anthony Weiner. I'm not a big fan. And I wasn't before he got in trouble, so I shouldn't comment on Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to Politics, the podcast that answers the question, what happens if you get someone who doesn't know that much about American politics who lives in New Zealand and pair it up with someone who's been writing about politics for years? Uh, I'm Tim. He's Jeb. I, I've not slept, and I, I'm going to admit right now I'm, I'm on some drugs. Uh, so, like, if you get lost at some point in this podcast, I guarantee you it's my fault. Oh, that's very sweet. I'm going to. Um, I'm not going to correct that at all. I'm going to heap that on. If I lead people astray, it's all Jeb's fault. Um, I did speaking it. of leading people astray, there has been 
a lot of coverage in the last few hours and it's almost we're getting so microscopic now down to the wire uh what is it nine days now before election day that we're measuring units of time in the election by three hour blocks it seems about the response to james comey the director of the fbi coming out uh, in the last 56 hours with a letter to congress uh, announcing that some materials have been found through the course of an investigation into anthony um, for uh, suspected sending a sexually explicit text to a 14-year-old girl from North Carolina, if I remember the reporting right. I think she was um, 15, but not that it really matters. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, hey, it's important to be accurate. Um, so during the course of that FBI investigation, a device has been sequestered by them and some new emails have been found that... <laughs> After the fact, it turns out probably weren't sent to or from Clinton, but are somehow pertinent to the the investigation of Hillary Clinton's private email server. Um, and Comey thought that this was relevant enough to send this public declaration that they would be... He didn't use the word reopening the case. Apparently that was um, Jason Chaffetz said that himself, who's the Republican leader of the Senate committee. Mm. Uh, what is it? What is he in charge of? No, he's in... I don't know. He Look, he looks like Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> House Oversight Committee, I think. I think I've got that right. So um, anyway, he, no, he's in the Senate that was now. his language. He wasn't he was in the House. I can't remember oh. what committee he was on, but he's in the Senate. Shit, now. he's... He's got some position that has allowed him to make some threats that if Hillary Clinton gets in now, she's going to be under constant investigation, which uh, I'm sure we're all looking forward to. But at any rate, just yeah, to no, start eight more the years, start. Of, like at least four more years of gridlock. I, you know, what I love about yeah. government is its capacity to never do a fucking thing. That's that's why I vote yeah. for people. I want them to get in there and stare each other down, and then say, "How can we not help anyone around us?" Because we want to that's be the fucking thing. We eh? never want to be accountable for anything. Like how 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 can you and I? have this binary opposition where like you go right and then you know i go right and we just keep staring each other down and you go left and i go left and in you know at the end of four years everybody is still fucked but we get reelected. you know what's screwed as well is like from a slightly more globally uh facing point of view america is the leader of the free world still you're this big huge giant economy you're the world's biggest democracy you've got more diplomatic power than anyone else on earth and there are two problems that we're all facing particularly in the developed west um the first one is climate change the second one is the robots are taking all of our jobs that we've formed under the current economy and it's totally changing the landscape of how the not to not at all too distant future is going to look for regular people and what it means to have a technological divide what it means to have a college degree and the massive divide between those who are educated and those who aren't um, getting into to trades and jobs because they're going to be taken away by automated machines and software and AI and what that's going to look like and these are like two separate, very fucking big problems, potentially. The first one, climate change, is definitely a problem. The second one could be an opportunity if um, the politicians could get together and maybe figure, figure something out. But the, the constant political gridlock that happens in America and has been happening um, with this Republican-led House that just by virtue of it being Obama it doesn't matter what the idea is they will block it by default every single time it's just like 
the clock is running yeah, out. It, it actually, they keep passing just, these yearly budgets. There's no vision for like a long term idea of what the economy could look like or how to help people. It's fucking frustrating to watch, man. No, and like I, I wanted Obama to just submit a bill to Congress with a name like "Pussy is Great," you know, like the "Pussy is Great" bill, and just watch like the Republicans go, "No, no, nobody likes it." No, you know, just just some something like so fucking obvious, like hot dogs are great, you know, or like baseball is fun, oh, I don't know. and just watch them so, so obstruct maybe, it. Uh, but for for example, Jeb, the Patriot Act, something like that kind of a name. Yeah, but like you know, not evil. <laughs> Just about food or something. <laughs> well, it's only evil because of like what we know the act is now, but it's the it's the same principle. It's just it's so frustrating to watch, man. And this does give a little bit of hope to the kind of the cynicism and um, what's the word? It's not disappointment. The I don't Despair. know whatever the word is. The way that people feel about Hillary Clinton, right, is that mm-hmm. she's this duplicitous agent of pure politics. But in the current environment, maybe you guys are getting exactly the president you need. Because could anyone else crawl through the weeds and make these backroom cigar deals and try and figure this shit out with people using whatever methods are necessary? And it might take some really rolling up of the sleeves and some weird dark house of cards bullshit to get stuff moving forward. But I can't think of anyone more qualified to do it. I think Bernie Sanders probably would have been hamstrung by his own morality and, and ethics in his, in his job. And um, Obama's done, a, done a, a pretty fantastic job, but it feels like it's just getting more and more uh, divisive as time's going on. Man, there's like so many points to address. Like, first of all, it's divisive. Don't, oh, don't, sorry. don't, 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 like, drink the Obama Kool-Aid. I don't know why it became divisive in, like, the last <laughs> eight years. Like, divide, divisive. Like, it's a long I. Like, don't overthink it. Um, but, like, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think I think Sanders probably would have had a lost year. He would probably would have come in with uh, a lot of naivete in the same way that Obama did, where he really felt like he could yeah. create uh, compromises and consensus on Capitol Hill and then eventually had to realize, like, he was just going to be obstructed no matter what. I think that would yeah. have happened to Sanders. I think he probably would have come in. He has a record of, of I think, passing the of, of the current members of Congress. I think he has the... Uh, the record for most amendments to bills passed. Yeah. So he does yeah. a really good job of like, you know, negotiating bills, you know, or, or negotiating provisions that help his constituents or help Amer- you know the American people in general into these mm-hmm. existing bills and, and bargaining. I think he probably would have come in and, and thought like, well, I can I can really do something here, and then just hit a fucking wall. Uh, and, and like I agree, like Clinton probably should come in and, and just be. You know the, the the master Machiavell, but the thing you you've forgotten is that the Clintons just have this preternatural capacity to fuck up all the time. Like they, you know, <laughs> yeah. their 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 aides talk too much. Uh, they they you know they they give away strategy to the wrong person who then fights against them. It's this awful soap opera, and it, it has been forever. And, and this the whole thing with the Clinton Foundation and and Hillary Clinton this this campaign, like anybody. Anybody with two brain cells to rub together could have said two years ago, you need to divest yourself completely from this. Yeah. With yeah. all responsibility, all capacity to, to make decisions, all finances, just done. You no longer, you are fucking dead to that thing. And they didn't. 
Because they're idiots, and they will fuck up over and over, and we're just going to watch four years of, like, it's going to be like an Armando Iannucci sitcom, only you're not going to like anybody, and it's not going to be funny. Well, that's fucking bleak, man. I was trying to offer some sort of optimistic, positive view of what could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I the, just... question become, the question becomes, <laughs> the question becomes, who could do a better job, though, you know, with the conditions that are currently in place? Obviously, this woman is one half of a political power couple that have a propensity to put their foot in it over and over again. But they do get shit done. And who, who else would be better suited to do it in this current environment? If, if, no Obama could, I can see. if Obama could have a third term, I, I think he would be perfect because he figured out yeah. the judo, right? He lets the, the, the far right and, and like the really, you know, like the conservative, the Tea Party caucus or whatever run at him. And then he steps aside and just sort of pushes them and then watches them face plant 20 feet away and skid across the ground and look like just miserable, incompetent assholes. But it took him a long time to realize he just had to be that kind of heartless motherfucker. But once yeah. he did, he was really good at it. And like I, I, I'm, I will fully admit, I completely misread his nominating Merrick Garland, but uh, to Supreme Court, to the Supreme Court. How but, so? How, what did you think he was doing by that? And how how did how did that change in your head? I, I felt like he was going back to the well that he had when he first came into office, where he was trying to find this bipartisan compromise. He didn't he didn't nominate uh, the most reasonable liberal candidate he could to the Supreme Court. He didn't nominate one of the younger liberal candidates. He he picked an older, more middle of the road guy. And I just thought, mm-hmm. like you 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 fuckhead, right? You're you're, you're compromising with people who are never going to meet you, you know? Because that was that happened. You know, in the early days of the Obama administration, they, they would sort of get to the bargaining table and show up and say, I'm already meeting you halfway. And then the Republicans would say, well, we're running 20 feet away from the, the, uh, the table backward. And yeah, so now yeah. you have to meet us halfway here. Uh, and, and so it felt like that. And then, and then the Republicans just, you know, they, they walked right into it. They refused to confirm him. They wouldn't even talk to the guy in most cases. They just and said, so like, your well, calculation, you, you think that Obama had all of that played out, that chess move, you know, the four chess moves in advance. Yeah, I feel like that was the one of his judo things. Like, he was going to give somebody who, like, you could just, you know, you could confirm him almost sight unseen. Mm. And he would be, you know, like a safely middle-of-the-road uh, uh, jurist. And then they said, absolutely not. We're going to break the fucking Supreme Court. We're, we're just going to have eight justices. We're just not going to fill this empty space. Because this guy was nominated by Barack Obama and... You know, we can't trust him. He's out of control. And you can totally trust the guy. I mean, the, the guy is like, you know, he's like a Ralph Lauren manager. You know, he, he's going to give you polos and khakis. He's just completely normal and predictable. There, there are no What's... surprises here. You know, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to get on the Supreme Court and rip his robe off and then have like a Shea Guevara shirt and be like, <laughs> full communism right now, motherfucker. I mean, like, he's completely normal. What's your take on the question of... Um... I'm going to say when Hillary Clinton gets in because I've read the polls in the last seven days. Um, when she is inaugurated, will Merrick Garland be uh, still the Supreme Court nomination or do you think that she will use this political capital to get a um, a more liberal justice in? Well, 
I have no idea. And by the- political capital, by political capital, I don't mean any that she's going to have going into office because obviously there is none, um, and she's probably going to be actually deficient. But just through this whole Supreme Court nomination process. Uh, no, you, well, you're right to like mention the 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 uh, like her not getting shit done because of course you know she's a woman and the, the Republican Party does not like them very much and she's a Democrat and they are, you know, just you know like a priori traitors. So she's fucked on day one in the same way that Obama is fucked on day one. And like the the only difference is that he represented a smaller demographic in America. You know, she represents fifty percent of America and she's fucked. Like this yeah. is, this is going to be. The, the most obdurate, just moronic stalemate, uh, you know, probably in, in you know, in, in, in well, I mean, I, easily in American history. I, I don't know of like other historical stalemates, but I, I would argue that this probably belongs, uh, you know, in like a, a top five or whatever. But uh, you know, I, I don't know what she's going to do. My my guess, like, were I in her position, you know, just keep you know. Put Merrick Garland up for nomination again, and don't expend your political capital on somebody else. You, you've got, yeah, right. Because you know, the Republicans' argument has been, we're not going to even talk about this person until the presidential election, so the people can have a voice, right? Well, you know, the people had a fucking voice. They elected Barack Obama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, she undercuts that argument and then just puts him up again because if he's good for Obama, he's probably going to be good for Clinton. Uh, and it, Man, I... and there's not like he's not. A, He's not twenty years old, you know. He's yeah. uh, he's not going to be on the, the the court for forty years. So th- there's not a long term liability. He's not a firebrand. He should be, you know, in, entirely within the, the realm of ex- acceptability. And and just say like, hey, listen, you know, you made you made a bet that your guy was going to win. He didn't. I won. Confirm the motherfucker, and then use the political capital for the next one. Yeah, you know, right. and throw well, all the way well, behind. She'll get. Is, yeah. is it predicted that she'll get two based on the age of the current Supreme Court justices? She could get four uh, with their age. So, uh, you know, she could permanently uh, reshape the court for one to two generations if uh, if the Senate confirmed uh, uh, her nominees. And so the other question is, is it, it, uh, if the Democrats actually win, you know, like a 51 seats in the Senate and they've got just a pure majority, are they just going to cut the shit and go straight to reconciliation? And just start passing stuff without, like, fuck it, no, you know, you can't uh, filibuster, we're just going to do this and we're done. You know, because that was something that the yeah. Republicans did and the, the Democrats, again, were, you know, they always tie their hands behind their back. Like, you're cheating, I would never cheat, that would be dishonorable. <laughs> and then, you know, they yeah. get their shit stomped. So, uh, you know, I'd be curious to see if, if they just start, like, trying to ram shit through the Senate and then suddenly the Republicans go, oh, well, we actually have to have a, a bipartisan uh, process and comedy here and we have to have input. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath, uh, despite Do the fact that I, I'm think... talking way too much and uh, need to breathe <laughs> heavily. Do you think there is any possibility that Barack Obama could wind up a Supreme Court justice? No. No. I mean, it, it would be he doesn't fun. Want it? No. I mean, like it would be fun. Like you know, we, we'd have another another Taft, right? Um, <laughs> but like, he's just so toxically. A black man and a Democrat, they're never going to confirm him. Uh, especially American? If, well, they spent eight Even years. Like with the changing demographics in America at the moment, like I'm not talking about this would be her first appointment, but maybe let's, let's predict somehow that Hillary Clinton gets um, a second term. And so we're talking about in like six years' time from now. 
Mm-hmm. You don't see that as a possibility. I don't. Well, for one thing, he his his big goal, uh, along with uh, Eric Holder, is is to uh, go ahead and flip the map in uh, state races around the country where uh, right. because we're coming up in 2020 when there will be another census and another ability another opportunity rather to to redraw all the congressional districts which now i mean like the, we we mentioned this i think last episode but uh the democrats got millions more votes in 2014 than the republicans and yet like lost seats across the board uh yeah uh so you know, gerrymandering these districts does that, where you have all these safe Republican seats, and so these people are in charge of the budget. They're almost impossible to dislodge. So uh, Obama and Holder are trying to make these things competitive on the state level, so states can redraw uh, uh, district boundaries. So you, you can either take control of state houses, or you can can uh, take control of the governor's office or the attorney general. And depending on the state, you will have mechanisms to influence uh, fairer boundaries. In, in districts. That will make it more politically agnostic in terms of where the boundaries lie. Yeah, I mean, theoretically could, more well, fair I mean, like, the whole country. The classic example is that Eric Cantor, who is the number three Republican in Congress, was primaried by some like Ayn Rand teaching moron, right? And yeah, yeah. Because he was hard on immigration and he depicted Eric Cantor as a squish. And Eric Cantor is not a squish. Eric Cantor is, you know, uh, he, Eric Cantor is fucking terrifying. <laughs> and, yeah, and this guy was like, "Well, he's not terrifying enough," and won. And and so you know, the Republicans have their own uh, like district pressures, right? But they have been engineered by making these these districts where uh, Democratic and, and independent voters are immaterial. So what you do is you radicalize the people who come out of these districts because the only way to win is to win the primary. The general election is an afterthought. So you win the primary by going harder and harder right. And so that's what did in Eric Cantor. So, I, I, you know, Obama and Holder's idea is to, to roll this back and make these more bipartisan districts where, yeah, you might be a Republican and you might win, but you've got to represent 49% of the districts who are Democrats and who care about certain things. So, you know, it, 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 it's a way of like re-adding moderation and, and bipartisan cooperation uh, or like re-injecting it in, in, into Congress in a way that we haven't seen for over a decade. But... Eric Holder is not going to do that shit on his own. The man is, is nice, but he looks like a Muppet. He's got no charisma. Obama's got to do this. He's the one who's got to go and, he and stump. He doesn't have and, charisma, right. Eric Holder, and he probably shouldn't because Attorney General is a position of great esteem where I kind of want a dude who looks a bit like a robot that you can just kind of project an absolute neutrality onto. But God damn it. It would, it would have been nice to um, have someone who could crack a smile, if not a joke, every once in a while. He, he did actually when he was uh, being questioned by, I think it was over Fast and Furious when he was uh, going before a, a house panel of, you know, the usual idiots. And he, he, yep. he, he smirked and, and had a good time. But for the most part, yeah, he's, he's not a charismatic dude. So Obama's going to have to do the legwork. There's no way he can do that if he's sitting in the Supreme Court. This seems like what he really wants to do. Uh, and really, I, I don't think there's any way he would get confirmed. Uh, he has unforgivable blackness and he has uh, unforgivable... Liberalness, uh, and and, uh, and and and, and yeah. again, like you know, th- these guys have spent eight years claiming that he was going to usher in you know a fascist dystopia. You know, the, uh, mm. his, his border patrol policy was letting immigrants in, and and he was going to seize all your guns, and and he was going to come and, and it just make you gay kiss somebody or something. You know, like just <laughs> so and there's turn no, Muslim as well. So they, they painted themselves into a corner. There's even if they wanted to confirm him, they can't because well, look what they said for almost a decade. 
So, you know, are, are they lying or was, you know, like... You know, well, certainly know. hasn't affected his poll numbers. Like, this is the interesting thing and why the argument of saying that President Obama didn't have uh, the, the the right to be able to uh, determine who the new Supreme Court justice would be, that doesn't, that's not an argument that holds water in the worst of times, but his approval numbers are so fucking stratospheric sky high. They're like the highest they've ever been. Yeah, no, he's beating out Reagan, I think, at this point in his term. That is nuts. It's crazy. Um, okay, well, Jeb, let's wrap it up. Do you have any final uh, shouty man thoughts that you want to put out there into the world? I've really enjoyed this, by the way. I've, I feel like we have tapped into a small piece of your reptilian brain uh, via the political neurocortex, and it has it's made for a, a really fascinating time. It's, it's the part of my brain that my grandmother, where she's still alive, would be uncomfortable listening to because there was a lot of swearing. And, and negativity and aggression. Um, I've and I, learned a lot and I've enjoyed it. And I also spoke too fast. Um, no, uh, so so this this thing with the, the, the FBI, like the James Comey thing, what, what's interesting to me, and, and I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, he released a statement saying like, well, we're, you know, this is part of an ongoing investigation. We've discovered this other batch of emails or whatever. And then he sends this, this mass, like, you know, group emails to the FBI saying, well, I, I may have put my foot in it. My intent was to do this and I'm not sure, blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it seemed like... Oh, shit, I haven't seen that second bit. So what was that? Sorry, was that a statement that he released? Yeah, he, he was he was saying like, well, I, I wanted to sort of... You can you can see what he what he's arguing is like, I wanted to thread the needle. You know, I wanted to be... Right. Uh, I, I wanted to inform the American public without being... Uh, uh, politicized. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to damage the election by by you know sort of queering yeah. the purity of the turf, as as we might say in horse racing. So um, the thing is, like, he sends this this memo, and it, like he fucked it up. Like he fucked it up completely because it, yeah, he did. They, they have these emails, and and people are going through like uh, you know, New York Times, Washington Post. They're searching every to and from field, and Hillary Clinton is not in them. Mm. She's not, you know, like, if you're going to, like, if this is germane to Hillary Clinton, which is what he indicated uh, at the start, maybe she he, should he have gotten, that is, yeah, that she should have that. gotten the fucking email or she should have written the fucking email. But if she didn't do either, you fucked up. Like, and, and so the initial sort of attitude I had was, okay, man, this guy is just scared to death, right? This is such a politicized environment. Yeah. He, he's just going to over-disclose things because he doesn't want to be caught uh, uh, you know, like, or, or be suspected of concealing something. And then, you know, he releases this with that statement, and the statement is not commensurate with the content of the emails at all. And in what I thought was incompetence now seems like evil. Like, he really does not like Hillary Clinton, or he's trying to right. in- influence the election, because that is, that is a colossal systemic level of fucking up. Which, it, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a communication disorder on the highest level and it's a good thing that the opponent is trump because if it wasn't like this really could have changed shit in a big big way no absolutely this this should be an october surprise except for everything around it that undermined it there's actually a good piece that's just come out from matthew miller in the washington post um where he basically posits that james comey shouldn't be running the fbi anymore off the back of this like this is prime evidence to suggest that the dude is not actually fit to hold that title anymore um so let's watch how that spins in the next few units of three hours at a time 
I, I just, one other thing I want yes. to add is, is it, what's Please. really funny to me is like watching all these liberals going, oh, James Comey has besmirched the name of the FBI. Like, the FBI was a racist, like, <laughs> you know, red baiting and, and hunting and, and infiltrating and just fucking foul organization for most of its existence. Like, yeah, you could, don't even have to go that far back in the history of the FBI to realize that it's not exactly squeaky clean. Yeah, I mean, it, like, it, it's like this dude made a really bad fajita, and you're like, this is disrespectful to the le- the legacy of Chili's. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck, like, who's going to notice? I mean, it just blends into the, like, just this endless sort of timeline of atrocity and stupidity. Fine. Like, I mean, if, if anything, the dude was being on brand for the FBI. Like, l- let him go. Your fajita metaphor is the strangest grab I have heard your mind attempt in this podcast yet. Um, fantastic. And what a way to end. Let's leave it there, Jeb. You okay. go have a lie down. <laughs> um, I'm going to go enjoy the fantastic sights here in Anaheim, California. Uh, all of you, we look, we'll try our best to get more episodes out as quickly as we can. Um, it's difficult. I'm flying back to New Zealand soon. Uh, but we'll do our best. That's all you need to know. And we hope that you're well out there. And just be kind to people, eh? Be yeah. nice to one another. If you Tim. see a plane crash, go and see that everyone's okay. If there's a car on the side of the road, bring some water, try and help them out. Tim, before you go, let, let me ask you, have you been, like, I, I know you're in uh, Anaheim, Los Angeles. There's a really great restaurant there. I don't know if you've been there. It's called Del Taco. Del Taco. Oh, no. I've not, <laughs> I've not been to the wonderful Del Taco, the five-star Del Taco yet. Listen, um, there's so know, many great places, like In-N-Out and Five Guys and... Just you Del know, tacos lower down on the list. Just, just you know, like if you can't get to Sparrow, you know, just check it out. Okay, man, you have my word on that. <laughs> I will go to a Del Taco before I fly out of here. I'll do it. Okay, I apologize, everybody. Thank you for bearing with me. The director himself has said he doesn't know whether the emails referenced in his letter are significant or not. I'm confident whatever they are will not change the conclusion reached in July. Therefore, it's imperative that the Bureau explain this issue in question, whatever it is, without any delay. 